Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. This is my dad, Ted. Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. I'm your host, Ted Knightsky. I believe that leadership lessons can be found everywhere if you're constantly looking. I find myself watching TV, movies, listening to speeches, watching other people in action at stores and coffee shops in public. Even while I'm reading, I'm looking for leadership. And I'm always looking for leadership in music as well. As long as you're looking for it, you will find it. In my Gallup Strength Finder, my top five, one of them is Learner. And that identified strength for me helped me frame a lot about my behaviors personally and professionally and helped me understand why I'm always so curious. Because I'm weirdly curious, always observing and looking for patterns. I think that most people are the same. And I want to take some time today to do some smart thinking around looking for the opportunity to grow your empathy towards others and even yourself I have always struggled with people who are negative, like truly negative, and can't seem to find their groove or purpose. Data is pretty rich about people's state in the workplace and the world. We are living in extraordinary times for kids and adults, anxiety, mental illness, disengagement, and I believe that it flows from a few culprits. One of those culprits is the competitive nature of the world we live in. Always comparing ourselves to other people on social media, always looking at how much better everyone else has it when all of us know that none of that's real. But it seems that when we are all trying to perform at our highest levels, there is sometimes no room for worrying about others and most importantly, understanding those same people. I truly believe that leaders who constantly focus on meeting the needs of others find themselves fulfilled, purpose-driven, and content in their mission. When we find ourselves focusing on the me, it seems that we push out the we. Remember that every moment of every day, we have the ability to change the direction of those around us, those we serve alongside, and those we lead. And that is, after all, what a leader is. Someone who has influence, which is all of us. We are also people who focus on being the best versions of ourselves by being empathetic and reflective, which makes us Buffalo leaders. Which is why I thought we could use a little empathy tune-up here as we start out the school year and enter into the fall season of life at least in North America. I have two favorite empathy reflections that I use when I am with others. The first reflection is, what would it be like to be them? And the second is, what would I need right now if I were in their position? Whenever I find myself stressing with or for someone else, I have to literally call out all of those questions in my mind, and sometimes I have to say them out loud to myself. I can't even remember where I learned those prompts, but they are very helpful for me as I work with others. As a matter of fact, I used them over and over again this past week when I experienced something I had been dreading, dropping off our daughter Grace for her freshman year of college. Talk about a trip. Yikes. Emotional, physical, mental, all things you want to avoid when you wake up. Megan, my wife, and I are so blessed with our two children. And as a family unit, we've put all of our energy into making sure that we stayed close as a family. Time together is fundamental eating together, being together, sharing experiences, reflecting and learning, and most importantly, coaching through their successes and failures each day, every day at that dinner table. And then all of a sudden, gone. But every day we used to debrief on our days and discuss what lessons were learned. So when I had the emotionally daunting task of driving to Chicago from our little city in Wisconsin and dropping off my daughter, my precious daughter, Grace, I found myself getting pretty weird, unusually quiet, withdrawn, and sad. And then it hit me. 
What would I need if I were Grace? I mean, the kid's never left the house by herself for more than three days, never been far away, never lived in a big, I mean, gigantic city like Chicago, never roomed with a total stranger. And here she is going through all of this as I am and her mother are experiencing the same things. The experience was brutal emotionally, and anyone who has gone through it knows the weird fears and narratives that go through your head. I mean, she's been gone for three days, and I already have a story in my head that she got 20 tattoos, pierced her whole body, and has a biker boyfriend and is moving to Vegas. Those are just my nightmares. Anyway, the question just kept popping into my head as I found myself getting wrapped up in me, myself. When we said our goodbyes and I looked into my daughter's bloodshot, tear-filled eyes, I didn't know if my legs would hold up. And then I asked myself, what would it be like to be her right now, and what would she need from me? It would be scary to be her. It would be unpredictable. It would be a huge change in life, and it would be adventurous and fun and exciting once she got her footing. So I handed her the card I filled with advice and reflections, reminded her that we'll always have her back, and that she could not fail without learning from it, that we loved her and we were proud of her. And in that moment, she needed her dad, not some self-loathing guy who was upset because his life had changed because we won't be able to go to the record store every Saturday like we always did. She needed me to be reinforcing and supportive, confident that she would be okay, that I would be okay. She also needed me to be me, so I was myself, goofy with the other freshmen in the hallway, and yet real, which is why I cried a little and was honest about how I felt, but reassuring. The coach that she needed. The dad she needed. I saved the self-loathing, depression, and dehydration-inducing crying for the interstate with my wife. But empathy? That got me through it. Putting her first. And I believe that if we all just took ourselves out of the immediate equation quickly all of the time, we'd find ourselves coming back into the situation stronger with the ability to recover and grow for the people who are standing in front of us. Now, as Megan and I were driving home trying to figure out how long it would be before we were allowed to text her or call her or see her, I started to think about Grace's future. You see, she, like her brother, is going to be a history major and wants to teach high school students and maybe even coach. My children were very fortunate to have great teachers at Port Washington High School where they went to school and their grade school. And those teachers inspired them and encouraged them to be teachers. And as I was crying and Megan and I couldn't find a song on iTunes that didn't remind us of something we had done with our kids while we were driving home to our empty nest, which, by the way, who created that term? So negative. Empty. Our nest is filled. Just no little birds here for the winter. Anyway, I was thinking about my kids and about the teaching profession and the world my son will enter next year and Grace will enter in four years. I reflected on what teaching was like when I was young and how some of the older teachers when I got started would talk about the glory days of education and how it was so much better in the 60s and the 70s and, and then the 80s. And I'd sit there and listen to myself like, what is going on? And now I find myself older in almost my 30th year of my career and talking to people my age. And you know what I'm hearing them say? Oh, the old days, they were so awesome. Come on. I believe every profession in the world has this type of conversation. I can imagine people sitting around in an office conference room saying things like, life was a lot easier before we digitally tracked movements. Accounting was so much easier before all of these new regulations. Selling cars was easier before CRMs. Driving a truck was so much nicer before they put that complaint phone number on the back of the trailers. And I also believe that many times those of us in that romantic reflection mode of life have to step back and empathetically reflect upon 
what it is we actually get to do every day. Get to. So, when my good friend and colleague, Jean Marie, was telling us a couple of days ago, or weeks ago, about a book she was reading to help her nephew with his summer reading, I was very intrigued. And then when she said, Ted, actually, I think you should read it because it might help you with a podcast. I don't know how you operate, but I get a lot of books. I love books. And that darn Amazon app on my phone makes it so easy to order books that other people are talking about. I mean, I'm to the point where I often get books and can't remember why or when I ordered them. And when this little yellow book showed up that Jean Marie suggested, I kind of forgot about it. And I was like, what did I order this for? What the heck is this book? However, I decided that night to sit down on the deck and start to read it. So one evening this summer, I was sitting on the deck reading the book. And after an hour, I was halfway through the book. I was sitting there staring into the night sky, completely moved and emotionally charged by what I had just read. Actually, last week's episode when I talked about Charlie and Asset thinking, this was the book I had just put down when he came up and started talking to me. So, as I stated before, I look for leadership everywhere. I'm perpetually trying to get people, including myself, to charge into the storms they are facing, so I'm always looking for a new angle, new fuel, new ideas to support those that I serve in my organization and everywhere I go. So when I'm on my deck reading a young adult fiction novel and getting energized, I was thinking to myself, this is excellent. I can't wait to talk about this on the podcast. The book, it's a huge lesson. And listen to this. This is what I wrote in the inside cover. It's a lesson in empathy, suspension of judgment, eliminating sympathy as an initial reaction to a situation, and so much more, including the power of kindness. Now, I've always used my grandma Nitsky's definition definition of empathy, which is, we don't judge, we understand. And it drives my thinking. Anyone who comes upon a situation knows that understanding the person in front of them propels you in the relationship and the ability to serve them. And while it is natural to be sympathetic to someone else or a situation, too often sympathy leads to an accidental personal elevation. I mean, of yourself. Because we say things like, oh, that poor mother. Oh, I can't even imagine what that would be like. And when you do that, no one benefits from the pity. The book I read, the book I read needs to be read by anyone in leadership. Yeah, a juvenile or a young adult fiction book. Anyone in leadership, all of us. And used in whatever context your life is and however you serve others. The text masterfully deals with this list. And this is what I wrote in the back of the book. Disengagement disabilities, diversity, conflict, perceptions, judgment, relationships, purpose, empowerment, misperceptions, love, dedication, and commitment. Sounds pretty amazing, huh? Well, if you read the book as a story, you'd probably be like, yeah, that was an interesting quick read. However, if you read the book like a leadership text, you will find yourself after the second chapter thinking, holy cow, these are some great lessons. Because the book is filled with lessons around behaviors to avoid and behaviors to copy. I read it through multiple lenses and I fell in love with each of the characters and found myself getting in the get to root for the underdog mode. The book is about kids in a classroom of misfits sent there because everyone else had given up on them. Once they're at the start of the school year, they find themselves with a new teacher who has completely cashed out and needs to get one more year of service to qualify for early retirement and could care less and is not going to work hard. But as the book and the plot develop, you are taken down this beautiful road of empathy. 
You transform your understanding of each of the characters. You're surprised and validated by the abilities of the kids. You learn all the ways in which everyone around you is struggling with something and how you should always be asking, what would it be like to be them? And what can I do for them? What would I need if I were them? And what can I do to serve others? What are the people around me going through? And what are the hidden strengths of those that I serve? Because as you read the book, all that comes to light. Now, I don't care what you do in life. I need you to read this book with a highlighter and a pencil and just score the text on empathy and leadership. If you work in a school, it will help you understand the people around you, even your colleagues. It'll get you thinking different about the students, the people that serve them, and the need for each of us to look at people differently each and every single day. And if you are like me, you find yourself occasionally fist-pumping, excited at the small victories found throughout the book for these little misfits. Now, I have to admit, I haven't read a lot of young adult fiction lately. I mean, I read Harry Potter, Percy Jackson, stuff like that. And don't even get me started on the power of collaboration and empathy in the books of Harry Potter. But this book, this book was unique because it felt like I was with the people in their lives. Why? Well, the author uses each chapter to share the unique perspectives of each character. Chapter one is the kid's voice. Chapter two is the teacher's voice. Chapter three is another teacher's voice. Chapter four is another kid's voice. And the entire book builds upon through the stories of all involved and their their perspective and is constantly building background as to why they are the way they are and keeps moving until the conclusion. And the book concludes from everyone's perspective. It's genius. I believe that this would be a great book to read as a staff. And I don't care what grade level you teach. And to ask everyone on the staff who's reading the book to come prepared after they finish the book with a list of lessons of leadership. Did I build it up enough? I mean, are you going to get the book? Because the book is entitled The Untouchables and is by author Gordon Corman. It is dedicated to all the teachers that soldier on. You will be reminded of the power of kindness and the ability to lead. While this won't spoil anything, there is one component of the book that I have witnessed in my own household and one for you to focus on as you read the text, and that is the power of the new people versus the old people. And what I mean by this is that new to the profession, the organization, or the culture leaders, because they have a tremendous amount of influence on those who are traditional in the organization, the profession, or the culture. New or youthful colleagues should be empowered. They should be honored. They should be encouraged. And when you read the book, you'll see just how powerful new enthusiasm, mindsets, and energy can impact an organization. Heck, you can see how a car dealership can change the direction of a bunch of kids through a relationship. I am tired of being called in to discuss why people won't perform or behave. I'm weary of those that have given up and blame others. I am saddened that someone would focus solely on counting down their days. And if you listen to this podcast, you're probably the same. And you're probably the same on this statement as well. Because I am energized when I find others who want to be there, want to find purpose, and want to lead. I'm filled with joy when I find people who chase into storms, fly into hurricanes, and empathize with and for others. Which is why when you read a young adult fiction book like I did called The Untouchables, you'll walk away believing it may be the best leadership book you've read because that's what I believe. I honestly think it's the best leadership book I've read in years, and I read a lot. You're going to read it, and you're going to feel like you got to share it. 
and you're going to want to share it with everyone. So let's do some smart thinking. Describe how you practice empathy in your leadership. List your reflective questions for yourself. Like mine, what would this person need if I were them? And then describe what it would be like to be you today. Personal, empathetic reflection. That's it. That's the Smart Thinking Podcast. As always, hey, thank you for listening. Thank you for following the Smart Thinking Podcast. Thanks for sharing it with other people. Thanks for rating it on your platform. And thank you for being a leader in your world. Also, thank you to the Well Pennies for their great music and for their constant support of the mission of the Smart Thinking Podcast, which is to create more Buffalo leaders. Now, and finally, I really want you to remember that everyone around you is facing something, and it is critical to never score them or put on a scale what people are struggling with and then judge their issues. Too often we have, as leaders, multiple people coming to us with multiple issues and multiple problems. And you need to remember that no matter who they are or what they're struggling with, one person's problem is not bigger than another person's problem because who's ever bringing it to you, it's the biggest problem that they are currently facing. So if one person is coming to you because their parents are struggling and they have to go support their mother or father who is terminally ill and another person comes up to you and is struggling because they have a relationship issue with somebody else and another person comes to you and they can't find a stapler, whatever it is, whenever it is, it is the most important thing in that person's world and they need you to be there to be empathetic. And they do not need us ever there to say things like, well, if you think you have problems, you should see what other people are dealing with. Because that's not empathetic. That's reigning sympathy. Now, why do I say that? Well, the most actively disengaged, the saddest people are very good at doing two things. Trapping themselves in their own story, a story filled with how they've been slighted, examples of infractions against others, and reasons to quit. Because they keep score. They have tally marks. Now, reading a story like The Untouchables, it allows us to reframe what is happening around us, what is really important, and how to be better for ourselves by being there for others. Smart thinking and Buffalo leadership are simple metaphors and yet very difficult behaviors. Being a person in the service of others is a calling and a mindset And when you lose the most important motivator, which is purpose, then you have to reboot and seek that purpose again. When you read the book, don't get caught up in the perspectives of Mr. Kermit, the teacher. Instead, be each character. Look at their lives, their experiences, and what's happening for them. Look at how they each lead. Now, that is how you build empathy. That's how you grow the empathy muscle that everyone around you needs. So this week, focus on that muscle. Be intentional about looking to understand and find yourself filled with wonderment at the world around you through empathy. It'll make it easier to lead, live, and support others. I'm living my life like a lie Seeing so many words in a silence Stuck in my head But tired of waiting for someone to turn all the lights on I'm duck duck goosing And wading through the water Cause I'm scared of what's underneath my self My heart on earth is to share who I am Can't stop thinking about their thoughts And what I can or can't I hate it.